$100 million in jury verdicts and settlements for serious injury victims, medical malpractice victims, and surviving family members of wrongful death victims. Trial Lawyers for Justice. This is a firm that does not handle frivolous lawsuits. They go after insurance company money, and they're darn good at it. They don't sell their clients out or settle cheaply. Trial Lawyers for Justice, the firm that goes the distance for you their client. They treat their clients the way you would want your own family members taken care of. Nicholas Rowley, Dominic Pachota, and the other trial lawyers in the firm at Trial Lawyers for Justice, dedicated to representing the people and their families in Iowa, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, Illinois, California, Wyoming, and many other states. Trial Lawyers for Justice. $100 million in settlements and jury verdicts already in 2016. 888-811-0844. Trial Lawyers for Justice. Listening to Sports Econ 101. This is the show where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Bruce McGowan, longtime sports radio personality. Now, today's show is going to be kind of special. Who's going to be our guest coming on the next segment? A good friend of mine who actually is a couple years older than me has been working as a sports writer, mostly for the San Francisco Chronicle for the better part of 35 years, covering specifically Baseball and, and the NBA, those are his two real bailiwicks. But uh, Bruce Jenkins will join us, so I think you'll enjoy the conversation with Bruce. All right. And at each commercial break, we're going to ask a sports trivia question. And the answers, we want you to email edward at sportsecon101.com. And when Bruce comes on, we're going to talk uh, a little bit of, uh, like you said, the NBA, uh, Major League Baseball. I understand he's got a couple of Billy Martin stories. Oh, yeah. And also some Bobby Riggs stories to tell us. Now, what, we've got some Bobby Riggs stories to tell. Okay. Yeah. Well, that'll be kind of fun. That'll yeah. come in a later segment. Yeah. All right. This segment of Sports Econ 101 is sponsored by Pacific Private Money, still providing mortgage investments that are yielding. Right now, they're about 7.8%. Sweet. A little down from 8%, yeah. but, you know, rates have come down, and but they're still very secured. You know, their average loan to value is only 55%. Wow. That's pretty low. That is pretty low. They've done over 1,200 loans. They've only had two go the full gambit of a foreclosure. Wow. Because they do very conservative uh, That's underwriting. That's the way to go. That's the way to That's go. That's the way to go. All right. So, again, you're listening to SportsEcon101.com. Uh, again, at each commercial break, we are going to ask a sports trivia question, so make sure you stay tuned. Got to be uh, sharp. Gotta and be after sharp. Bruce gets uh, Bruce Jenkins gets off the phone with us, uh, we're going to talk a little football because Super Bowl Sunday, little Super yeah. Bowl Sunday coming up. All right. Um, so that's about it. And you can listen to Sports Econ One Hundred and One on iHeart Radio, Sports Byline, Tune In, and CRN, as well as many other terrestrial stations. Don't touch that dial. Sports Econ 101. I'll be right back.
This is Mark Honf, co-host of Mortgage Investing 101. Did you know that you can earn, year in and year out, returns of 8% and more on your savings and retirement accounts? Mortgage-backed investment strategies such as trustee investing and mortgage pool funds can do just that. Since 2008, clients of Pacific Private Money have consistently earned high yields on their investments. Find out for yourself how you, too, can profit from these real estate-secured investments. Call 415-883-2150 or visit our website at pacificprivatemoney.com. For those that want to visit San Francisco's legendary Alcatraz Island, planning ahead is a must. As the official website for Alcatraz Tours, AlcatrazCruises.com provides the guaranteed lowest prices for Alcatraz tickets, which are now available for purchase up to 90 days in advance. In addition, visitors to Alcatraz will enjoy the added benefit of complimentary access to the current art installation, Shortening, Making Irrational Rational, which is available for viewing through February 2017 from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. daily with the purchase of a regularly priced ticket. Visit Alcatraz cruises.com today in the heart of sonoma wine country enjoy unique historical landmark the flamingo resort and spa santa rosa that features two 25 meter heated pools tennis poolside dining champagne sunday brunch a lounge that offers weekend live music and dancing health club and yoga cycle studio so ideal to stay fit while relaxing and touring the nearby sonoma valley wineries Visit FlamingoResort.com. Invest in some fun this season with this deal from Paintball Tickets. With the largest network of paintball fields in North America, Paintball Tickets is committed to bringing you high-intensity fun for a fraction of the cost. With the purchase of your paintball tickets, you'll receive free admission and equipment rentals to some of the most played-at paintball parks nationwide. And by partnering up with like-minded, safety-conscious paintball fields in thriving markets across the nation, we've ensured there's always a field close to home. These tickets, which can be purchased in bulk, are designed to fit the needs of every skill level, from casual observers to weekend warriors. This adrenaline-inducing sport is perfect for birthday parties, corporate team building, or a casual outing with friends. Make the right choice for your wallet. Get in on the fastest-growing action sport with this deal from Paintball Tickets by going to sportsecon101.com and clicking on the Play Paintball button. Want to stay in touch with your favorite Sports Byline USA network hosts? Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Sports Byline USA. You can also see the latest news in the world of sports, learn about upcoming contests and giveaways, plus catch up on guest info so you never miss a moment with the biggest names in every sport. Football, basketball, baseball, MMA, and more. No matter where you are in the U.S. or around the world, you can stay connected to the host and fans who love what you love. So check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Byline USA. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Bruce, who's on the phone? we got a good friend of ours and a longtime sports writer from the Bay Area, Bruce Jenkins, who's wrote, uh, written for the San Francisco Chronicle for over 30 years. And, Bruce, let's get right into it. Uh, talk a little basketball, because I know this has been quite a, a season for the Golden State Warriors with the acquisition of Kevin Durant. was watching the game last night. They were up by, down by three with five minutes to go. They had him right where they wanted. They outscored him 19-7. to seven. Durant goes off. I mean, you watched, you covered Magic in the 80s. You covered, you know, uh, Michael Jordan in the 90s. Those were great teams. And, of course, San Antonio more recently. What, what distinguishes this Warrior team in your mind, you know, allows you to put them up there in that lofty company of teams like uh, such as the Lakers of the 80s or, or Michael's Bulls of the 90s? Well, I think it's yet to be told. You know, they still have the personnel to be in that company. 
But as we've seen in the last few days, uh, they lost to Miami, which has basically been a, a pretty awful team this year. And then last night, Charlotte took them right down to the wire. Of course, that's right after they dusted three of the best teams in the league. But it's historic to me in the sense that um, they've got I mean, Curry, uh, Durant, and, and Clay Thompson They've got three of the best shooters, not just now, outside shooters, but historically they rank they rank right up there. They remind you of all the great shooters that you've ever seen. And that, you know, as, as many great teams that have come along, I don't recall one that had three shooters of that caliber. And it's a little difficult to, to mesh things sometimes, especially in a half-court set. If pressure's on, you know, do you just go isolation to somebody? Do you, do you run set some screens, pick and roll? And they're still trying to sort that out, but... I have a feeling that they're going to, and when they when they do that, and they'll of course they'll have to win the title to make this this discussion relevant. I think uh, you know you, you'll be able to talk with uh, about the Warriors in that in that manner. No. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. You know, Kevin Durant was he six eleven? I think he's about six yeah. nine actually. Is he, or is no, he 6'11"? yeah, I think he's six eleven. And okay. it's like you know he doesn't act like uh, uh, someone who's six eleven. You know, he, he no. does things that, you know, point guards do sometimes. He is kind of a hybrid player, isn't he, Bruce? Well, he's, he's unbelievable. I mean, he dribbles the ball with ease. Uh, when he drives to the basket, you know, he looks like Russell Westbrook, except that he's got that incredible length. And defensively, he's capable of amazing things. I mean, you see him uh, block shots, come out of nowhere, and use that length and wingspan. And when he sets his mind to playing defense, he's very, very good. Uh, and, of course, you know, his outside shooting – speaks for itself, and uh, he's a team player and everything else. So, yeah, he's a, you know, Dirk Nowitzki, uh, you know, was considered, a, you know, the greatest, if you're talking about really big men, you know, which was, I'd say, like 6'10 or above, the greatest shooter, but, but Durant takes that to a different level. We're talking a lot about the Warriors these last couple of weeks and, and talking with Bruce Jenkins, who has covered the NBA for many, many years, and the thing that strikes me about him, Bruce, uh, seeing him up close in, in uh, you know, firsthand is that they really do play. There's a palpable sense of joy on the court. Some of that, I think, comes from Steve Kerr, who allows these guys. He realizes basketball players maybe are kind of like jazz musicians. You have to give them some rope to let them you know, express themselves. And he, he does have a plan, but he also realizes these are great artists that need to be allowed to kind of you know, do their thing. Yeah, because some of these guys are in their 20s. Well, they're, they're bright guys, though. I mean, they seem to pick up this stuff. I mean, have you noticed that uh, they're just a little more worldly than, say, some of the guys around the rest of the league? Yeah, I think so. I think that's really well put. And, you know, Bob Myers goes to great lengths to uh, build a roster with character uh, with not even one exception. He, you know, one bad guy can turn it, turn it all wrong. And these are, right, like you say, they're exceptionally classy guys. Uh, they get a big kick out of the team. That You know, the reactions on the bench, even if, like, you Durant, say Curry and Durant are both on the bench and somebody like Ian Clark, it's a couple shots. They're going nuts on the bench. They're really excited, like little kids, and that's infectious. And I think that's that's a big part of a winning team. You know, teams will have those, their squabbles and stuff, but these guys basically have just get a great big kick out of what they're doing. You know, I wonder are other teams, you know, especially the coaches, looking at at the Warriors and saying, you know, what do we need to do to emulate that? Well, you can't. You can't emulate Thompson, Durant, and Curry. It's impossible. No, I was thinking. Uh, I, I don't mean the the skill level because uh, yeah, that that's true. The, but the joy with which the, they yeah, they, because that that will change. Yeah. The team. What they can do, what they can do is really focus on on ball movement. You know, when you watch the Knicks with Carmelo Anthony, it always comes down to Carmelo. 
you know, isolated against the world. I was watching Cleveland against Sacramento. Um, I think it was last night, and Cleveland's kind of struggling, and they're down, they're down three, and they LeBron involves inbounds the ball. There's like 24 seconds left, and they're down three. He drops it to Kevin Love. It goes right back to Durant, to uh, LeBron. He immediately casts off from 30, you know, and misses, and, and the game gets away from him. Um, you know, teams like to say they have great ball movements, but sometimes when it comes right down to it, they don't have anything close. So, uh, you know, Houston is is uh, is playing a lot like the Warriors now. Their their ball movements been very very good. San Antonio, of course, that's a constant. Uh, you know, these are the teams you have to look at. But ball movement is always the secret. You know, when the the teams that win it all almost invariably have fantastic ball movement. They share it. You never know what's going to come next. They're screening and pick and rolling and always thinking about the next guy. And that's something that you can emulate. Long-time yeah. sports columnist Bruce Jenkins of the Chronicles joining us. i got to ask you about LeBron because as we speak, the Cavs have been in a funk. that You know they're going to come out of it. But, boy, from what I understand, they lost the last second game at home to Sacramento of all teams. And he laid down the law. I guess Dwayne Wade did the same thing up in Chicago when the Bulls lost recently. But uh, there were there was no mincing of the lane. No no uh, diplomatic words were spoken after that one. I guess maybe they needed that. I don't know. Well, did, I don't know either. I don't think the general manager or some of the players are that delighted with it. I mean, you know, LeBron's really been really been whining about what's going on. Of course, you know he he's the bottom line to it all. I mean, you never know where it, where it leads. It, it could be a positive thing. But yeah. I think that you know. The, He's talking about getting a playmaker, you know, a second, like a backup point guard. But if that's what you really need, it shouldn't be, you know, causing all these headlines. You know, I think that the bigger problems for them is they don't play good defense. They certainly didn't play against Sacramento last night. They haven't been playing it for a couple weeks now, routinely giving up 100 points. And, you know, they, they're, they're not very big. I mean, their size amounts to Tristan Thompson and, and Kevin Love. And maybe, you know, Channing Frye, but he's camped out shooting three, so... You know they don't do much. They don't do a lot inside, and they've only got two guys who are playmakers, LeBron and Kyrie. So there's a there's a few issues there. And you know the, when the Warriors took them apart, I think it illuminated some of it. And they're trying to figure out. I think LeBron's trying to figure out how he can get out of this. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. You know, uh, when guys' contracts are coming up, and you know, it seems like they're going to want to be more selfish so they can show why they're so valuable rather than just a, a generic team. But we did think, on the other now. hand, maybe they wouldn't because, you know, the league, is, as Bruce was pointing out, uh, now the Warriors are setting the standard with unselfish play. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it, Bruce, with, when, you're, when you're a ball player coming up on a contract year? In terms of what? In terms well, in terms of, of att- attracting attention, because if you, if you become too much of a ball hog and too much of a diva, uh, teams are going to want to stay away from you. On the other hand, if you can blend that uh, quality of leadership with – the ability to distribute and play defense and help out, well, like and, Iguodala. Yeah. Okay. You? Yeah. Like he's not usually a big scorer, but he but he's he very does, good on defense. He does all the little things. Yeah. He yeah, yeah. R- rarely throws the ball away. Yeah. And and I know you know there's a lot of analytics uh, analytics that these you know Bob Myers and you know and all that they're they're they're, they're going to notice all that stuff. Well, I'm just curious. But, you know, Bruce has been covering NBA for a long time, and it seems like we're going back, Bruce, to the era of basketball that you and I grew up with in the 1960s where there was a lot oh, more passing, yeah. lot more passing, a lot more uh, defense, and a lot more discipline. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I follow the, the Celtics of Bill Russell really closely, I and mean, that's how old I am, but um, the fantastic ball movement, fantastic sharing, unselfishness, um, and great defense. That's always been the key. T- tight defense and ball movement is going to win you a lot of games. And yeah, I, I agree. You know, you know, it's been evident with San Antonio for a long time that 
because they're not, you know, terribly explosive or sexy or whatever, you know, people tended to overlook that. But I, I know Steve Kerr, when he came in here, his blueprint was the San Antonio team that won it in 2014, the year before he came in and won it with the Warriors. Um, that was his blueprint for ball movement. If you, if you look at the finals between uh, his, uh, the San Antonio's championship in 2014, the ball movement was just astounding. Yeah. It's really, really heartwarming to watch. Okay. And hey, that, hey, Bruce, uh, stay with us. We had to cut to a quick commercial break. Can you, can you hang out for one more segment, Bruce? Uh, yeah, I've okay. got about seven minutes, I guess. Okay, perfect. perfect. That's perfect. Okay, question. Who holds the world, the record for the most combined yards rushing in the Super Bowl? Ooh. All right? Okay. Email edward at sportsecon101.com. The answer to that question, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Tired of calls, levies, and liens from the IRS or hiring others who don't get the job done? Call Wall & Associates and you'll never talk to the IRS again. The IRS has a program to eliminate tax debt and Wall & Associates professionals are trained to maximize its benefits for you. You always speak with a live person with real support and real knowledge. We've helped thousands of taxpayers like you settle their tax debt with the IRS for a fraction of what they owe. We solve tax problems. Call Wall & Associates now. 800-480-5708. We have the professionals who know how to solve tax problems. If you owe money to the IRS, your tax problems are not going away by themselves, and the passage of time will only make matters worse. Act now before it's too late. Call Wall & Associates right now to speak to a professional tax relief agent. Call 800 800- 480-5708. That's 800-480-5708. Again, 800-480-5708. Rebuild or replace transmission, $3,200. Anti-lock brake system, $1,000. Rebuild or replace engine, $2,400. Truth is, once your manufacturer's warranty runs out, it's all on you. Every last cent. Get protection for covered repairs with a vehicle service contract from Toco Warranty. Unlike other companies, with Toco, there's no down payment, and the monthly payments are really affordable. Not sure how long you're keeping your car? At Toco, you can pay as you go. Keep your hard-earned cash and call Toco Warranty right now at 800-222-2313 to save big money on covered auto repairs. Prices vary by vehicle, but for about the cost of a tank of gas per month, a Toco plan has your back on Expensive covered car repairs. Monthly payments are very affordable. Get your free quote now. Call Toco at 800-222-2313. That's 800-222-2313. 800-222-2313. Cancellation fee may apply. Subject to eligibility. Not available in Missouri and Washington. Waiting period and deductible apply. Coverage provided and administered by Warrantech Corporation or its affiliates. Not affiliated with any manufacturer or dealership. Visit tocowarranty.com for complete terms and conditions. This family is at home. But they won't be answering the door. They know that the pounding on the door is a process server from the court waiting to hand them foreclosure documents. So instead of enjoying the home they worked so hard to afford, they sit hiding in the dark. Mom, what was that? But it doesn't have to be this way. This family can save their home, but they must act fast. Call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions at 800-274-7312. If you're being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, missed a payment on your mortgage, been a victim of a predatory loan, or are upside down on your home, it's critical that you call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions now. 800-274-7312. Allied State Foreclosure Solutions has an attorney in your area that will meet and speak with you. You can stop the foreclosure. 
foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, save your home and your credit. But you must act now. Call 800-274-7312. 800-274-7312. Not available in all states. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Here is our first trivia question. Who holds the record? for the most combined yards rushing in the Super Bowl. I think you're talking about a team, team rushing. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, we're looking oh, for a player. Oh, a player. So okay. he would have probably had to play in more than one Super Bowl. You want to take a stab at that one, Bruce? I, I'll, I'll throw out a, a, a couple of names. I don't know. Uh, Emmett Smith? Uh, I don't know. Uh, now, see, I would, have, I would have thought Emmett Smith also. Roger Craig? No. Oh. You, you'll know this player. Oh. Franco Harris. Franco Harris. 354 oh. year, yards of in course. four games. Four games in six years. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, we're there you go. Yeah, there you go. Well, Bruce Jenkins is joining us from the Chronicle. And Bruce uh, was a beat writer with the Oakland A's when Billy Martin was there back in the early 1980s and now has been uh, writing a lot of uh, columns about baseball, basketball, uh, soccer, surfing. But I want to talk a little bit before we get into in a baseball about your experience with Billy Martin. We talked about this the last time we had you on, and that was unique because Billy was kind of cut from a different cloth and almost from a different era, wasn't he? Well, yeah, it was the best uh, the best experience I had in all the years I covered ball in dealing with a manager every day. It, it turned out to be one of the worst. <laughs> you know, near the end, when he was about to get fired, he was very bitter, and he's chewing everybody out. It's just destructive, but in his best days, well, you talk about a brilliant baseball mind. I, I really enjoyed watching him maneuver his way through games with a really flawed roster. I mean, he had, he had Ricky Anderson and Dwayne Murphy and Tony Armas, a great outfield. That was about it as far as the, the position players. And then he had Mike Norris and Langford and, and the McCaddy and the, the fantastic pitching staff. Uh, but he did things that were just mind-blowing. He had, he had plays. He had a play where he'd have a guy like Jeff Newman on first base and Ricky Anderson on third. And Newman runs about like you and I do, which is not great, especially at our age. <laughs> They'd have Newman break for second, and the other team's like, what the hell? And then Newman would take a Pratt ball intentionally. And he'd be flying on his stomach and go, and they'd throw over there, and Ricky threw him right by, at that instant. He'd break for the plate and score. Wow. Just little stuff like that. Um, I remember one night in Seattle, Maury Wills was managing the Mariners. He didn't manage them for very long. Oh, there's another piece nice. of work, yeah. <laughs> Nights like this did him in, but Langford was pitching, and Langford had the great sinker, you know, that was to fall off the table in front of guys. And, and Wills had the bright idea to have his groundskeepers move the batter's box up a couple inches. So they're, they're, they're going through, they're, they're redoing the chalk line before the game, and and Billy Martin is standing there in the dugout. He, he's, he's the kind of guy who would notice this. And he's thinking to himself, son of a gun, I'm not believing this. But he didn't say anything until the meeting at home plate, at which point he busted Wills. And, boy, he talked about full-on embarrassment. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and he probably said, why didn't I think of that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of the crazy yeah. thing. I mean, it was an absolutely brilliant guy. And, you know, great times on the road. Uh, got a little salty with Billy, but, you know, all of us writers, we had a fact that, we saw a lot of things, some ugly things, but unless the cops got involved and it was public record. <laughs> yeah, there were about six six or seven incidents with Billy, maybe 12 in his career, but there were probably five times that many that weren't in, in the headlines, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not, not really. We didn't really ignore any, like, fights or, you know, anything like that. But uh, it, it's just, you know, hotel bar, really ugly stuff, shouting stuff at his own players, Ooh, <laughs> players sorry. shouting back at him, you know. And, yeah. And then you know, all forgotten the next day when the alcohol wears off. But uh, what was he about? Five foot nothing. He was a little guy, really scrappy. 
Yeah, very yeah. small man's complex, probably. Well, I remember hearing the story. His mom told him, I guess, you know, he was raised by a tough single Italian gal, and she said, if you get into a fight with somebody, you can always get in the first punch. Get in that first punch, you know, and, and Billy, yeah. and Billy yeah. took that to heart. So Yeah, he really did, on and off the field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's go to the here and now. The, uh, the Cubs are coming off a championship. Uh, they've lost a few guys. The Giants are... You know, they brought in Mark Melanson. Uh, the Dodgers, of course, as goofy as they've been, are still going to be a, a force to deal with. Maybe the, the, one of the best teams in baseball, despite all the, the dysfunction that's going on down there. How do you see, uh, just in, you know, handicapping it, uh, you know, prior to spring training, how do you see some of the top uh, teams uh, this year? Well, there's a lot of talk about the Dodgers now that they got Logan Forsyth. They, they settled the second base situation. They got Turner coming back. Rich Hill's coming back. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're looking pretty good. Uh, people are, are assessing them to be the best team in the division, but I still think the Giants are right there with them. Uh, you know, the Giants have a, a couple of issues. That, you know, they're not certain of who's going to play third, uh, what's going to happen in left field. It's going to be Williamson or Parker or somebody else. And But, you know, they, they the Giants have the great pitching. they got Buster Posey. they got the homegrown, uh, you know, so many homegrown stars. And I don't know. I just, I, I like the way the Giants go about their business. But to me, it's, it's a it's a pretty equal footing until further notice in terms of the Giants and the Dodgers and and they're going to be leading the race once again which is you know we like it that way Giants Dodgers can't get better than that you know they keep talking the Dodgers you know every year you know it's the the big money being spent you know Adrian Gonzalez uh, they, you know that the that sort of thing and yet they keep blowing it at the end yeah well I mean they haven't been in the in the series since 1988. I mean, you know, the Giants, obviously everyone knows they've been there, you know, three times in a five-year span. I mean, at some point you got to you got to get there. You know, it's they got all the money and everything else and a lot of talk, but, you know, when it comes right down to it, who's who's getting it done? So, uh, you know, I, I think right now they're they're sitting pretty good. They managed to keep some of the free agents that, that could have left. they got to deal with the Yasiel Puig and see how that happens. But, you know, they've got... They've got Jack Peterson and, and Corey Seager, a lot of real good young players. Um, and, of course, you know, Kershaw and Ritz Hill is a good, a good uh, foundation for the rotation. So we'll see. It'll be real interesting. It's, just, it's always hard to kind of assess what's going to happen until it actually comes down. I'm kind of feeling sorry for the Cleveland Indians because they, they might have missed their window of opportunity. They were not expected to even get past the first round, and they came within an eyelash of winning the whole thing. Are they going to be a factor again this year in the American League? Oh, yeah. I don't know how the heck they got Encarnacion. I don't know how uh, the Red Sox didn't get in with David Ortiz retiring, but the Indians haven't lost anyone, and then they pick up this guy who's just a tremendous hitter. I mean, he is really dangerous. How, how old is he now? I don't know. He seems like about 31 or 2, maybe. Yeah. It was fascinating watching them last year, the way they came together, and you just – you know, just thought for the Cubs' sake, my gosh, you know, they're playing a team that's a Cinderella team. This is the last thing the Cubs need. Yet the Cubs somehow managed to surmount the, the difficulties. Uh, do you think Chicago, despite losing Chapman and, you know, with the youth they've had, all these young guys coming back are going to be right there again? Yeah, I really do. Uh, you know, they built a team as you watched them in the World Series. You're really struck by how young they were. You know, with Baez and Bryant and Rizzo, and it was a really calculated plan that worked to perfection for them. And, they did lose Chapman, but I, I think they're going to be okay. You know, the rotation is still looking good, and all these guys are just—they're still growing into maturity and, and approaching their prime. I, I'd be really shocked if they—they're not 
back in the playoffs, that's for sure. Bruce, before we let you go, i got to ask you, the thing I love about the way you write is that you really personalize things and you you bring the personalities into the picture without sensationalizing them. You really humanize them, and I think that's a rare quality. Especially, it, especially with Billy Martin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you got I mean, is that something that you've always enjoyed doing? Because it just seems like you... You want to give us more than just you know what we're what we're already seeing. Obviously, that's what you have to do as a sports writer. But uh, you, you're giving us something different, which I, I find whenever I pick up your column, I, it's the first thing I want to read because there's some little nuggets in there. And that, is that something you've always prided yourself on being able to to sort of you know reach behind the curtain and get these guys to come out of their shell? Well, yeah, I, I just I've always sort of had a fan enthusiasm about the game. I'm, I'm not out there to rip and tear and buy the manager and this and that. I, I'm, Every time I go to a game, I always feel sort of that youthful enthusiasm that you remember from as a kid, and you know it's amazing. It's it's still there for me. So that's that's always how I look at it. I think it's it's, it's served me pretty well. It's it's it's, uh, it's it's not a stressful thing. You know, Bruce, you know this. You've been in the in the game for so long and and uh, well regarded. It's just uh, it's a real satisfying way to go. Yeah, you don't get. I've noticed you don't get cynical. A lot of writers and a lot of people in my profession in radio get very cynical as they get older, and it's almost fashionable to be that way. If you don't uh, have a little tinge of that in your personality, there's something wrong with you. They say, hey, Bruce, are you are you part of the uh, Hall of Fame uh, writers? Yes, I am. I, mm-hmm. I've been voting since 1990, and I, I'm sorry I have to cut you guys off. Oh, here. I, okay, that's just an appointment I've got to be at. But, that's quite um, all right. No, we really appreciate you being on with yeah, us. Yeah, enjoy talking to you, Bruce. Okay. You bet. Take care. Thanks, Next time we get Bruce on, i got to talk to him a little about surfing, too, because that's a passion of mine. And Bruce grew up in Southern California. His interesting story. His dad was a very famous composer and uh, arranger, and uh, he worked with Frank Sinatra, Gordon Jenkins. So Bruce grew up in that, but he, he was able, because of his dad's interest in sports, to go to the – to the Forum and Dodger Stadium and watch all these great, and the L.A. Coliseum and watch all those great teams. So, you know, all that enthusiasm was born at a rather early stage wow. in his life. Yeah. Hey, how does one get to be uh, a writer? Or, I mean, uh, a sports you know, writer? To, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, to get on in the Hall of Fame. Oh, writing. I think you have to have worked at a, a paper, a major paper for at least, I think it's something like 15 or 20. You don't have to work at wow. the same one. And you have to have covered a certain number of games. I think it's something like 2,000. 3,000 games. There are people that have covered a lot fewer games than me, but I'm a, I'm a broadcaster. Broadcasters are not involved in it. I, I don't understand that. I'd like to see team broadcasters involved, but unfortunately their, their feeling is, the Hall of Fame committee's feeling is, oh, if you bring in team broadcasters, they're going to show a bias to their guys that played for their team. I don't know if that's true. I think the good uh, announcers would know. Yeah, but a writer, you know, for let's say the SF Chronicle is going to do the same thing. Well, that's in theory. In theory that's true. Right. I mean, you know, writers are supposed to be a little more aloof and a little more objective because they're not being paid by the team. But still, yeah, you could make that argument. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Hmm. I, I still think Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens will get in in the next five years. I really do because I think there's an influx of young uh, writers that are coming into this thing that don't have any recollection or resentment about the steroid era, yeah. and it's slowly sort of melting away. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, we're going to cut to our uh, second commercial trivia question here. In 1971, what tennis player became the first female athlete to win over $100,000 in a single year? What year again? 1971. Wow, okay. That's our question. So All we right. got to go back, uh, oh my gosh, that's 45, 46 years 46 ago? Years. Holy smokes, Batman. Okay. <laughs> Email edward at sportsecon101.com. The answer to that question, don't touch that dial. Sports Econ 101 will be right back.
How would you like to earn over 8% per year in your investment portfolio in a conservative investment that has been considered one of the best-kept secrets in investing? At Pacific Private Money, we are actually paying over 8%. Imagine what a mutual fund of low loan-to-value mortgages would look like. Well, that is very similar to what participating in the Pacific Private Money Fund is like because we own many loans in the fund that are actually less than 60% loan-to-value. It would be extremely difficult to find an investment that yields over 8% with this much collateral. We pay you monthly. Can you imagine earning more in one month than most banks are paying in one year? Of course you have questions about how we can deliver this. So call Pacific Private Money at 415-883-2150 and we will answer all of your questions. You can also visit us at PacificMoneyFund.com. For those that want to visit San Francisco's legendary Alcatraz Island, planning ahead is a must. As the official website for Alcatraz Tours, AlcatrazCruises.com provides the guaranteed lowest prices for Alcatraz tickets, which are now available for purchase up to 90 days in advance. In addition, visitors to Alcatraz will enjoy the added benefit of complimentary access to the current art installation, Shortening, Making Irrational Rational, which is available for viewing through February 2017 from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. daily with the purchase of a regularly priced ticket. Visit Alcatraz cruises.com today hi sports econ 101 listeners i'm edward brown you know me as the host of the show but you may not know that i work with individuals getting them the least expensive term life insurance policies around don't be fooled by the ads you hear on tv and radio it's always best to work with someone who's completely independent that's where i come in if you email me at edward at sports econ 101.com your name your age and how much insurance you want I'll run the numbers through my software program and let you know the least expensive policy around from among many of the top insurance companies. Again, I'm totally independent. So email edward at sportsecon101.com for your free life insurance quote today. Why pay more for life insurance than you need to? I can get you a guaranteed policy where the low premiums are fixed anywhere from 10 to 35 years. So email edward at sportsecon101.com right now for your free life insurance quote. That's edward at sportsecon101.com. In the heart of Sonoma wine country, enjoy a unique historical landmark. The Flamingo Resort and Spa Santa Rosa that features two 25-meter heated pools. Tennis, poolside dining, champagne Sunday brunch, a lounge that offers weekend live music and dancing, health club and yoga cycle studio, so ideal to stay fit while relaxing and touring the nearby Sonoma Valley wineries. Visit FlamingoResort.com. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Here was our second trivia question. In 1971, what tennis player became the first female athlete to win over $100,000 in a single year? I was going to say Chris Everett, but that's a little early. I think it was Billie Jean King. It was Billie Jean yeah, King, yeah. yeah. And, you know, okay, now, I remember, you know, the big thing about her and Bobby Riggs and, you know. Oh, the, the, uh, the battle match of the, the sexes. The battle of the sexes, yeah. the battle of the century. Now, and the thing is, okay, and he was like, you know, 70 years old well, or not, something. not quite that. But he, he, was, he, was he was in his 60s. Yeah, he was okay. in his 60s. He was and a little hustler. He was. And he, yeah. and he was, you know, he was in good shape for his age. Yeah. And he was still you know, yeah, good, a smart player. Decent player. And she was, what, her 30s? She was in her early 30s. Early 30s, okay. Prime. Okay. Yeah. Now here's the thing: if you're gonna try to do this, like I know it was kind of sort of a joke, but then you know they played pretty seriously, yeah, right? Yeah. Why wouldn't you 
have them play on an even keel. They made him play with the doubles wide. Did they? Yes, I, I, rem- I, I remember, remember that. that. Yeah. yeah, he 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 had to. I mean, in other words, like yeah, she she had a bigger. Interesting. Uh, I, did, I did not remember that. Yeah. I just I do remember that she just ran him ragged, you know, because he was the the king of the drop shots and the trick shots. And I had a friend of mine that I used to play with up in Portland who was a tennis pro who played like Bobby Riggs. He never never hit the ball hard. He'd drive you crazy with his little spin <laughs> shots, you know, and drop shots. And that's what Riggs tried, and it didn't work with with Billie Jean. She figured it out and just ran him crazy. By the by, the end of the match, he was out of breath, you know, because he was an older guy. But it was it was fairly close, though. Uh, if the, I remember for the first couple of games. And then she oh, won pretty decisively. I think she won like six three, six two. She oh, won, she won, or okay. maybe six one. She won pretty decisively the second set. See, if they would have at least made it even, yeah. then it's like, come on. Well, know? it was it. I I don't think she would have had any problem with him, regardless. True, but, true. You know, Bobby was a was a master at at uh, the hustle, hustle, yeah. And he uh, had a reputation, I guess, back in the day before he really, you know, revitalized his career of inviting. Uh, up and coming players to take him on, and he he, hey, how about five hundred bucks for uh, you know a couple of sets? And he was making you know a lot of little change on the side. In those <laughs> days, you had to do that, you know. So anyway, different story today. Where what does the winner get in the Super Bowl now? The winner, the winning players get something like, I mean, it, it's actually got to be a hundred something thousand. Yeah, it's least. yeah, but yeah, it's probably fifty or a hundred. It's not yeah. so much the money with them. It's all the endorsements. It's all the recognition and, and the spe- ring and the ring. And speaking of which, I you know. I know that Atlanta is playing very well coming into the postseason, and it would not yeah. surprise me if they win. But New England is just – I think the best thing that happened yeah. to them was Deflategate with Tom Brady getting four days, four games off. He's fresher. Yeah. Right now he's only playing in his 15th game. So you think wow, about that. Normally this would be his 18th game. Yeah. He's 39 years old. Yeah. So he's fresh. It gave him some resolve. And I love the way they play defense. You talk about how yeah. they score the – you know, poor, poor points on the board, but their defense is And tight. they don't have Wolf Work. No, they don't have that big guy. <laughs> but they, they do. I don't know what, where Bill, Belichick finds these guys, but they come up with these obscure guys. You know, first it was Julian Edelman. Now they got this guy, uh, Hogan. Uh, Hogan, Chris yeah. Hogan, who I guess played college ball one year at Monmouth College in New Jersey. And it's an interesting story, Edward. He was a lacrosse player. He was captain of the lacrosse team at Penn State. Played there four years, or three years, and he had to miss a year because he was redshirted. Graduated, but he had one more year of eligibility, and he wanted to play football. He knew he couldn't play at Penn State, so he Monmouth was not far from where he lived, so he went there. I think he caught like 12 passes, four touchdowns, but then he was a practice player, a practice team player with the Niners and with the Miami and well, the how Jets. Did he get, how did he get to, to, to do that? Gonna be a, well, you know, he was a hard-working guy. The, uh, one thing about lacrosse, it's a tremendous uh, sport for conditioning, and yeah. he always impressed. He'd always uh, he was good at um, earning tryouts. And when you earn a tr- when you get a tryout, you got to sell yourself, almost like you're selling your yeah, product. Sure. So he was good at getting in the door. And then once he got in the door, he intrigued some people. Most people thought, oh, you know, he'd be a good guy to have on the practice, practice squad to keep yeah. our guys. But Buffalo finally picked him up, and he turned into a decent player. He was a good player at Buffalo, not great. I think he caught like 80 passes in four years. Um, but then the Patriots saw something, and it's interesting. Belichick played lacrosse in college. Belichick's two sons played lacrosse. Huh. And Belichick's daughter coaches the women's team at Holy Cross. <laughs> So Belichick liked the fact that he played lacrosse. Yeah, and he knew it was involved. Yeah, yeah. He, so he picked him out of the you know out of nowhere. And last week, you know, in the championship game, he scores two touchdowns. He's a big kid. He's six three, 
about 200 pounds. So, you know, he's not a little guy like Edelman. But, man, I love the way Belichick, you know, goes out and finds these guys. It's kind of like Al Davis back in the day, you know, finding guys that places like Texas Southern and Prairie View A&M. You know, where do these guys come from? Well, I guess you, you just have to have your scouts out there, right? You do. But I think, I think and I think Belichick has got a great you know, group of people in the front office, but he also just seems to have a knack for knowing talent and finding guys that fit his system. And you think about it, the Patriots on paper don't have a, really that great a team, but they have a system and a philosophy. And I think a lot of it, Edward, we saw this with the 49ers. You play for a team that's successful. You go in there and it just elevates you. Yeah. You play with guys that are better than you or yeah. as oh, yeah. good. They bring you up. You yeah. play with dogs, you're going to play like a dog. You know? And Gronkowski is out. Out. Isn't? That's yeah. right. He's out. Yeah. But they're still, you know. Atlanta, though, intrigues me. Atlanta is playing the best football of any team right now. They're, oh, Matt Ryan was awesome. Yeah. It was amazing uh, how accurate he does was. Does he remind you of anybody? I'm trying to think if he reminds me of anybody. I, I haven't watched I mean, enough of him. Well, like Marino, maybe? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Because Marino was, was, yeah, was, was yeah. very accurate. Or John Elway, maybe? You know, big, strong Yeah. Arm. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm just thinking that they're... They've got. They remind me so much of the team I covered this year, the Oakland Raiders. They're better than the Raiders, obviously. They clobbered the Raiders early in the season, but they have this great offensive line with five guys that played the entire year without getting injured. That's amazing. And anchored by center Alex Mack, who's from Cal, who went from Cleveland playing, I think, seven years with one of the worst teams in football to playing with this great team in Atlanta. Can you imagine how that guy must feel? You know, the, the dream, the dream. And then and, and their defense has been, you know, it's it's underrated. It's not very good statistically, but it's played a lot better. I can't remember the name of their star linebacker, but he has something like 14 sacks. So oh, they're yeah. a handful. They're going to be tough. Uh, I got to think that New England is favored, but how many points? I, right now, it's about a three-point edge. That's but all? That, that could change. Well, I think it's because Atlanta can pour points on the board so quickly, and their defense is kind of underrated or overlooked because it's statistically it's in the bottom five or six, but the last couple of months of the season, they played really well. They won six games in a row. They were on a roll. Yeah, because I remember uh, Matt Ryan wasn't that consistent before. You know, he had some good numbers and decent years, but nothing like this. And I think early in the season, when when I saw them play the Raiders, I think it was game two of the season, we were stunned because the Raiders were a good team. Yeah. And they just shut the Raiders down. The Raiders only had two games where they really got shut down, and that was one of them. Well, you remember and, a few years ago when they, they – how much were they ahead of the Niners in, by halftime? For oh, that, in the championship, in the championship game. Yeah, that yeah. was a different different story. In Atlanta, they were up, I think, 28 to, to – nothing. To nothing or 28 yeah. to 6 and lost that game. Yeah. But they've the city of Atlanta is a funny town, and I hope some of our listeners who are from Georgia don't take offense when I say this. I don't think it's a very good sports town probably because the only great sports team they've ever had is the Atlanta Braves, and they've yeah. never really supported that team. Well, they've only won one. They've only won one, and, 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 they've they've, and they were in the playoffs 15 times. <laughs> 15 times. And here's a sad story. When they played the Giants in 2010 in the first round, oh, they yeah. had to actually buy 7,000 tickets to make it a sellout. Atlanta, I, I went. Wow. I covered games down there. It's just not a good baseball town. It's not a good basketball town because the Hawks have been. And was it was it Brian McCann? He made all those errors at second base. Uh, Who's the second base? God, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember who it was. Who Brian it was. McCann, I, uh, not McCann. It was no, somebody no, he's else. A catcher. Yeah, somebody else. I, uh, whoever it was, his 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 name guy, is sort yeah. of forgotten, and yeah. probably for a good a good thing. Not, you know, it's a funny town. I mean, they're, they're probably the favorite sports there are college football and NASCAR. You know, the, yeah. the Falcons, they've, they've embraced the Falcons. But think about the Falcons. They've been in one Super Bowl in, what, 56 years? 
So, you know, and they lost. And, and they, they got creamed by they Elway. Got, they got creamed by Elway. So yeah. this is a big moment for them. So, Well, a friend, you know. a friend of mine used to be a wide receiver for Atlanta. And Who's that? Uh, Stacy Bailey. Oh, yeah. And so yeah, I from wonder, Terrell into high school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah what's he doing these days? I, well, he is was coaching in Georgia. Really? And his son went, I think, to Georgia Tech. High, college, high school? Um, you know, I... I I think he was teaching high school. Where did he football. go to high school? Where did he go to college? Do you remember? Uh, San Jose State. Okay, I just remember yeah. being around when I'd come. I, I'm trying to remember when he played high school ball here. Would have been back in the '80s sometime, right? He's a good basketball player too. Yeah, I just yeah. remember. Uh, no, 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 '70s. '70s. Yeah, yeah, I just remember hearing about him and hearing. Yeah. Well, he had yeah. he had a 48 inch vertical leap. Wow. And uh, his I, I think his main claim to fame was the famous Bartkowski uh, to Billy White shoes Johnson oh. against the Niners. Oh yeah, he was the guy who tipped the ball to. Was Billy he the White guy that tipped yeah. it? Because he was the, he he had the highest oh. vertical leap. Yeah, that's going back a few years. That's back to I think 1984 or something yeah. when they when they won the Super Bowl that year. I think. I remember watching that game and thinking that's not going to happen. Yeah. And, it, and it's interesting to note in 1991, about six years later, they did the same thing. They threw a touchdown pass, and I can't remember who beat the, who who made the grab, but it was against the Niners in Atlanta. Same scenario, oh, you know, hail mary right. pass, and they won. And it cost the Niners the playoffs that year. Steve Steve Young got hurt, and Elvis Gerbach got hurt, and they had Steve Bono back there. Oh yeah, and he was actually pretty he, good. He was a good quarterback. He was. Sure. They finished ten and six, but they did not make the playoffs uh-huh. that year. That was the one year they didn't make the playoffs. For, well, they actually had a couple years they didn't make the playoffs. Eighty two with a strike year. Yeah, but and, you think about that run. And didn't Bono? Uh, did he play for Cal? Played for uh, no. He went to UCLA, UCLA. And then after he left the Niners, Kansas City had a pipeline oh, of yeah. quarterbacks from yeah. San Francisco. They had Elvis Gerback. They of course Joe Montana. Joe Montana. Now yeah. they got Alex Smith. So it's interesting. All the little uh, uh, leftovers. Yeah, the yeah. leftovers. All the leftovers. <laughs> that's what I, I think. That's the problem with with the Chiefs is they have not really had. That elite quarterback since Len Dawson. You think about yeah, him because they've true. had some great teams, yeah. but they, they're like the Falcon. They're like the, yeah, they're like the uh, Braves. They get in the playoffs and they choke. Are they? I, I think true. they choke. They, 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 they lose. lose. Yeah. They, they go up against a better team on a better, You know, or they play a team when they're down. Well, it's funny. The, the San Francisco Giants used to be that way. They oh, get yeah. all these players like way after their prime. Yeah, and it just it just drove well, me crazy. Think, of, think about the Giants in the '60s. And I, I know we're digressing here, but the San Francisco Giants in the '60s and a lot of our listeners not old enough to even remember the 1960s, because they weren't even born then. Yeah. But they had five Hall of Famers, Willie Mays, Willie McCovey, Juan Marichal, Gaylord Perry, Orlando and Orlando Cepeda. Cepeda. Yeah. And they won only one pennant. But in yeah. those days, only one team yeah, from each won league. the pennant from yeah. each league. They didn't have the playoffs until 1969. So, yeah, you got a you know, different different era. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I grew up in the 60s, um, and the games weren't on television as much, and they didn't cost as much. And the players didn't make as much, and they didn't make such a big deal about yeah. the whole thing. But it was it was a big deal, and it was kind of because the players were you didn't really get to know them as well because they weren't on television. You didn't see their faces a lot. They were almost mythical. They were almost kind of removed, and that made them more romantic. I think that's why huh. Willie Mays became such in my mind. The only time I ever saw Willie Mays was doing a commercial or maybe you know out on the field doing his thing. Never saw him talking, and I got to know him later. What a character! <laughs> Talk Does about he, a storyteller. I was gonna, I'd love to have him on the air, but I, I understand his hearing's going. Or his eyesight. His hearing is, is actually his eyesight. His, his eyesight. hearing isn't great. He's 85. Yeah. And he'll be 86 this year. Willie is, if you get him in the right mood, he's kind of a, curmud- a curmudgeon. Oh, really? Kind of a crotchety guy. But you know, if he likes you, and I've always got along with him, he will give you the, some great stories, and he loves to joke and laugh, and he's just a wonderful guy. If You, get to know, you have to get to know him, though. If you don't, you kind of think, gee, what's 
what's wrong with this guy? He's got a bug up his butt. Come on, <laughs> Willie. Jeez, lighten Come up on, for Willie. Come on, Willie. No, but Willie's Enjoy great. Enjoy the last few years Willie, of life. Willie is great. He's he's the best. He was. He, I know. He was. He was always my favorite. Uh, you know, uh, as a fan watching. Yeah, the best all around player in the history that, of the game. That's uh, yeah. who could do all the things that he did as well as he did. Them. It's like he's like the Kevin Durant of the NBA. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's see Kevin Durant play for another ten years, then we'll start comparing them. True. True. There you go. All right, we're going to go to our last commercial break here. Can you name three sports in which the participants move backwards most of the time in attempting to win? Oh, interesting. Oof. And I was going to say, not boxing, you know. No. No. <laughs> so think about that. Wow. And uh, we're going to answer that question when we come back. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. Make sure you uh, email Edward at Sports Econ 101, the answer to that question. And uh, any topics that uh, you want to cover or you want us to cover in future shows. All right. So that's our, our question. Can you name three sports in which the participants move backwards most of the time in attempting to win? Don't touch that dial. Sports Econ 101. We'll be right back with some closing comments. Are you a business owner or an individual who owes the IRS? Then be prepared to write down an important phone number. Do you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes? Do you need to file back tax returns? Are you dealing with bank levies and wage garnishments? It's time to deal with your IRS problem today. Call Certified Tax Tax Representation now. Certified Tax Tax Representation, Inc. represents clients just like you in all 50 states. They will contact the IRS on your behalf the same day that you become a client, and you can become a client immediately. It's time for you to face your IRS problems. Think about how great you're going to feel when you're represented by a company who's an advocate for you, who knows the law, who also will contact the IRS the same day you become a client. Call today for your free, no obligation consultation. Call now, 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Not all cases are typical and some may not qualify. The consultation is free and so is the call, so call right now. 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Are you an inventor who would like to try to have an invention or idea patented and submitted to companies? But you don't know what to do next. Call for free information from InventHelp. InventHelp, a leading inventor service company, has been helping inventors since 1984 and has sales offices located in more than 60 cities nationwide. You'll want to talk to the company that has helped secure more than 7,000 invention patents. So call InventHelp. Even if you have an idea for improving an existing product and don't know where to go with it, you'll still want to call InventHelp for free information. You'll find out how InventHelp may assist you in trying to patent your invention and submit it to companies. So call now. Call InventHelp at 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. Get your free information by dialing 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. When you struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. 
you only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have $5,000, $10,000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan, my co-host. And I can tell, I can see the smoke coming out of your ears for this question here. <laughs> can you name three sports in which the participants move backwards most of the time in attempting to win? Well, technically, I mean, as far as team sports are concerned, I, I you know, basketball, uh, baseball, These are football. most, well, one's, one's a team sport. Really? Okay. That, well, could be a team sport. Okay. Uh, the other ones are usually individual. I mean, it could, it could be, in, one, in the other one, it could be both. I was going to say, you could say boxing, but if you're going to be no. a, a winner in boxing, you're yeah, going to be exactly. aggressive in approach. You know, surfing, you're, swim, you're surfing uh, back to the beach. Nah, skiing, you're nope. skiing back to the lodge. Nope, nope, nope. nope. But that's not backwards. Okay, huh? so swimming at the backstroke. Oh, of course. Okay. Rowing. Rowing. Crew. That's a good you one. Can either, yeah. That's either team okay. or individual. Yeah. And last one here we have is tug of war. Very good. Right? You, you Very go good. I never would have. I wouldn't have gotten any of those. That's you didn't. Good, I didn't. <laughs> I'm, Just, and I, I wouldn't te- have. I love teasing you. Yeah, you do. Well, that's okay. I deserve right. it. My wife teases me too, so, you know. And my daughter. I'm just, of, a, I'm of just a punching bag at You home. know what? So am I. Well, yes. What you know is what that is? about that? Because well, we're nice guys. Yeah. No, I, I mean, seriously. That's what it is. I and then, and then, and then they get mad because they say, you know, they want you to fight back. Well, if I fight back, then they say, hey, stop. Yeah, stop but, yeah but you mean? You're mean, yeah, and exactly. you listen to me. Come yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Shut up and listen to me. <laughs> All right. Here's our thoughts for the day. They say that nobody is perfect. Then they tell you practice makes perfect. I wish they'd make up their minds, <laughs> said Wilt Chamberlain. Oh, that's a good one. And Hank Aaron said, it took me 17 years to get 3,000 hits in baseball. It took one afternoon on the golf course. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I love that one. That is a good one. All right, so next week we got the Super Bowl coming We do. Up. We'll talk about that. Maybe we'll get somebody on from the Super Bowl. Maybe. Maybe, maybe during maybe, halftime. Maybe, maybe. No, no we do. We rec- this is a Saturday show, so, so uh, they'll be ready well, for the I mean, next I'll day. I'll look for somebody down in Houston, see if I can get somebody. Yeah. That, that would be good. Yeah, yeah. All right. So there we are. Tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. We're going to be discussing sports topics from a business perspective. We're also going to be asking some more sports trivia questions, maybe some general ones, maybe football. You never know until you tune in. never know. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm Edward Brown. We're wishing you the best. Good night, America. I'm I'm your host. (laughs) We'll see you next week. All right. So long. (laughs) 